Genesis chapter 15. If you are using the church Bible, please turn to page 15. Page 15 in the church Bible. Genesis chapter 15. This morning we were considering together verses 1 to 6 and we were thinking about holding on to God's promises or Christ's promises, uh, the promise of protection, the promise of provision and the promise that we will have spiritual children. We will have those who come to faith in Christ through our witness, our lives our testimony. And now we want to read from verse 7 um, when the Lord speaks again uh, to Abraham. He also said to him, that is Abraham, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. But Abraham said, O sovereign Lord, How can I know that I shall gain possession of it? But Abraham said, O sovereign Lord. Sorry. So the Lord said to him, Bring me a heifer and a goat and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abraham brought all these to him, cut them in two and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. Then birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abraham drove them away. As the sun was setting, Abraham fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and ill-treated four hundred years. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterwards they will come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your fathers in peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here, for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking brazier with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abraham and said, To your descendants I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river the Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, Kenizzites, Cadmonites, Hittites, Perizzites, Rephaites, Amorites, Canaanites, Girgashites, and Jebusites. Amen. Using your own Bible, it's Jeremiah chapter 34. A 
And we have um, read there in Genesis chapter 15 this very bizarre and strange ceremony to us of cutting the animal uh, and uh, laying its pieces out and then passing between them. Uh, And uh, there is a further reference to this uh, kind of religious act um, of worship uh, here in Jeremiah chapter 34. And I think it throws a little bit more light uh, on Genesis chapter 15. And so that's why I want to read from verse 8. So page 797, Jeremiah 34 and verse 8. And we'll see that this covenant making here as well. The word came to Jeremiah from the Lord after King Zedekiah had made a covenant with all the people in Jerusalem to proclaim freedom for the slaves. Everyone was to free his Hebrew slaves, both male and female. No one was to hold a fellow Jew in bondage. So all the officials and people who entered into this covenant agreed that they would free their male and female slaves and no longer hold them in bondage. They agreed and set them free. But afterwards they changed their minds and took back the slaves they had freed and enslaved them again. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I made a covenant with your forefathers when I brought them out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I said every seventh year each of you must free any fellow Hebrew who has sold himself to you. After he has served you for six years, you must let him go free. Your fathers, however, did not listen to me or pay attention to me. Recently you repented and did what is right in my sight. Each of you proclaimed freedom to his countrymen. You even made a covenant before me in the house that bears my name. But now you have turned round and profaned my name. Each of you has taken back the male and female slaves you had set free to go where they wished. You forced them to become your slaves again. Therefore this is what the Lord says. You have not obeyed me. You have not proclaimed freedom for your fellow countrymen. So I now proclaim freedom for you, declares the Lord. Freedom to fall by the sword, plague and famine. I will make you abhorrent to all the kingdoms of the earth. The men who have violated my covenant and have not fulfilled the terms of the covenant they made before me, I will treat like the calf they cut in two and then walked between its pieces. The leaders of Judah and Jerusalem, the court officials, the priests, and all the people of the land who walked between the pieces of the calf, I will hand over to their enemies who seek their lives. Their dead bodies will become food for the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth. I will hand Zedekiah, king of Judah, and his officials over to their enemies who seek their lives to the army of the king of Babylon, which has withdrawn from you. I am going to give the order, declares the Lord, and I will bring them back to this city. They will fight against it, take it, and burn it down. 
And I will lay waste the towns of Judah, so that no one can live there. Amen. Now if you turn back in your Bible, please, to to page 15, uh, Genesis chapter 15. And that's uh, where tonight uh, we are in uh, the Word of God. We began our study of Abraham um, about a month, six weeks ago. We began with Genesis chapter 12. Uh, and when the Lord saved Abraham, uh, he made uh, a two-part promise to Abraham. He promised to bless him in two specific ways. First of all, to give him a land an inheritance. And then secondly, to give him a great number of descendants. And this morning we saw how the Lord reassured Abraham with regard to his descendants. That he was going to have a son and from that son then many descendants. And now in Genesis chapter 15, the second part of this chapter from verse 7 to 21, the question arises, what about the land? What about the other half of the promise that the Lord made uh, to Abraham? When is it likely to happen? How can Abraham be sure that it will come to pass? The Lord declares to Abraham in verse 7, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. The Lord says, Abraham, remember I brought you from a place and a condition of unbelief, Ur of the Chaldeans, to give you this land to possess it. So the Lord renews the promise of the land. But that renewal of the promise of the land draws out an underlying question that Abraham has. And it is recorded in verse 8. But Abraham said, O sovereign Lord, notice the parallel with verse 2 in our study this morning. He'd addressed the Lord as O sovereign Lord. How can I know that I shall gain possession of it? How can I know? How can I be sure that I will inherit the promise that you have made to me in salvation? Abraham does not lack faith in the Lord. We saw this morning how he believed the Lord in verse 6. But he does lack assurance. He doesn't lack faith, but he lacks assurance. How can I be sure? And this chapter, the rest of this chapter, 
is about giving Abraham, the believer, assurance. It's about, if we can put it like this, ensuring that Abraham, the believer, has assurance. In other words, that he is sure that the Lord's promise to him in salvation and all the blessings that are going to flow out of salvation, that they are sure and they are certain. Now you who are parents, you know what it is to have a child that lacks assurance. You take them to school or you take them somewhere and they're not very confident about participating, about what they're doing, about what they have. And that can be true of us as Christians. We have believed in Jesus unto salvation, but we're not very confident of our salvation. And so we don't go forward into life. We don't go forward in our witness in a way that is marked by assurance. Do you this evening struggle with assurance of salvation? If I was to ask you tonight, would you say, yes, I have believed in Jesus Onto salvation. But I struggle with assurance. How will I know? How can I know? How can I be sure I'm a Christian? How can I be sure that I'm going to heaven when I die? That's the question. And those are the kind of issues that the Lord is dealing with here in the life of this man, Abraham, who already believes in Christ. And tonight, if you're here in church and you do not yet believe in Christ, then through this study you will understand, I hope, how to believe in Jesus. How to be saved. And being saved... How then to have assurance of all those blessings that God gives through Christ. There are four things we want to note from this chapter as we think about it or the rest of this chapter. And we're thinking our title tonight is Living by Faith in the Son of God, Having Assurance. Having Assurance. And the first thing that we want to note this evening is that your inheritance or your salvation is guaranteed through sacrifice. It is sure and certain because of a sacrifice that has been made. Verse 9, the Lord tells Abram, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a female goat, a a ram that's three years old, a a dove, 
and a young pigeon. And in verse 10 we're told that Abram does that. But as he brings this um, heifer and this goat and this ram and this dove and pigeon, he follows a very definite pattern. And he goes through a very careful procedure. We're told that he cuts the animals in two and he sets the, the two halves opposite each other. Uh, the, the heifer uh, and uh, right the way through uh, to the birds which he doesn't cut in two. Now, why does the Lord ask Abraham to bring these animals and these birds? And to lay them out, why does he lay them out in this precise way? What's the significance of all of this? Is this just superstition? Is this some ancient tradition? No, this is the way of sacrifice. The Lord is asking Abraham to bring a blood sacrifice. These are the animals, these are the birds that were used to offer up blood sacrifice to cover sin. And Abraham lays them out in that way. You see, from Genesis chapter 3, from the time that Adam and Eve disobeyed the Lord in the Garden of Eden, Men and women, you and I cannot approach God and Abraham could not approach God without a blood sacrifice to cover sin. Sin separates us from God. And the only thing that covers that sin is blood. And so to experience the blessing of God, to enjoy salvation... To inherit heaven, to inherit God's blessing, Abraham's sin, my sin, our sin, your sin has to be covered by the offering of this blood sacrifice for sin. A creature has to give its life to save my life. So Abraham asks the question, how can I be sure? Back to verse 7. Or verse 8. How can I know that I will gain possession of what you promise? How can I be sure of the blessing you promise? And the Lord says, you can be sure because of blood sacrifice. And tonight the Lord promises the blessing of salvation, the blessing of heaven to men and women, to boys and girls. If you're not a Christian here tonight, the Lord is saying to you, you can have my salvation. You can go to heaven when you die. To those of us who are Christians, He's saying, be assured you have my salvation. Be assured you're going to heaven. 
perhaps you and on Christian you say, How can I know that I'm going that I will go to heaven? How can I be saved? You as a Christian you're asking, How can I be sure that I have this salvation? And the Lord says, You inherit this salvation through blood sacrifice. But it's not through the sacrifice of a bird or a sheep uh, or of a goat or a heifer. The New Testament tells us it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. It is instead through the blood of God's Son, Jesus, the only begotten Son, through His sacrifice, through the shedding of His own blood, Acts 20, verse 28, that we are saved from our sins. Jesus Christ came 2,000 years ago. Jesus Christ lived the sinless life that we do not live. Jesus Christ died the death for sin, experiencing hell. And that's what you and I deserve to die. And he rose again. And he is the sacrifice who covers sin. And tonight, you and I, who believe in him, we are sure, we are certain of salvation on the basis of his sacrifice. If you're not a Christian here tonight, how does this sacrifice of Jesus become yours? It becomes yours as you repent as you turn from your sin and as you believe in Jesus. Now notice from verse 11 that as Abraham lays out this sacrifice to cover his sin before God, this blood sacrifice, do you see what happens? We're told that birds of prey come down. Birds of prey They would come and they would devour the sacrifice and they would take it away so that Abraham could not benefit from it. But what does Abraham do? He drives them away. And tonight as Christ presents himself to us and as he presents himself to you who are not yet Christians, The birds of prey, Satan, will come and he will whisper in your ear reasons why you should not accept this sacrifice. He may say to you on the one hand, you don't need the blood of Christ. You don't need a sacrifice of Christ. You're not bad enough to need salvation. Or maybe at the other extreme. 
He knows that you don't feel good about yourself. And his lie there is, you're too bad in order for Christ to save you. Or perhaps the bird of prey is whispering in your ears tonight, you'll not be able to keep this up. And what are we to do? What are you to do? Well, you're to do what Abram did. You're to drive away the birds of prey. Drive them away. Don't allow them to rob you of the blessing that comes through sacrifice, through the blood sacrifice of Christ. That's the first way that we can be sure of heaven. But then secondly, let's see how we can be assured, and Abraham can be assured um, of his inheritance of salvation through suffering. It's guaranteed through suffering. In chapter 15, verse 12, we're told that the sun begins to set. And Abram falls into a deep sleep. It's the same sleep as Genesis 2, verse 21, when God took the rib out of Abram and formed the woman. And during the course of his sleep, it's not peaceful. There's a thick, dreadful darkness that falls upon him. He's a sense of foreboding, a sense of approaching danger, a sense of pain and anguish. And the Lord explains and interprets this darkness in verse 13 when he says to Abraham, Know for certain your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs. The Lord speaks to Abraham of suffering. Suffering that will come uh, uh, to his people, to his descendants. And they will be ill-treated for 400 years. For a long, long period. Abraham is asked, Lord, how shall I know? How can I be sure that I will inherit the land? How can you and I be sure that we possess God's salvation? And the Lord says, Abraham, you will know that you're inheriting the land as you suffer for my name's sake. Now, Abraham must have been really taken aback at that, must he not? Because like us, Abraham may well have had the idea, well, if I'm saved, if I'm looking to Christ as my Savior, then everything will be easy. Everything in the garden will be rosy. The wind will always be in my back, and the sun will always be in my face, and I'll just glide through life to heaven. There's people who think that today about being a Christian. And sadly there are churches today who, that preach that. That you become a Christian and all your troubles just vanish and disappear. Is that what scripture says? Is that what the Lord said to Abraham? 
No, the Lord said to Abraham, Abraham, you're going to suffer. And your descendants are going to suffer. And you might, in the midst of that suffering, think, well, what is happening to me? And the Lord says, it's the very proof, it's the very guarantee that you're a saved man, a saved woman. How do you and I know that we are inheriting salvation? How do we know? We know when we suffer for Christ. There is a cross that every believer has to bear. It's not of the same kind. There's a suffering that every every believer has to pass through. Salvation will bring us into suffering for Christ. And this pattern is supremely illustrated in the earthly life and ministry of Jesus. He came himself to accomplish salvation. And he lived a sinless life. Yet what did he experience? Intense suffering. He provided salvation through suffering. And we experience salvation. We inherit salvation through suffering for the Christ. And today the Lord assures you and me of his salvation. And he says, as you endure great suffering, lifelong suffering, perhaps in your own body, in your own family, in your workplace, in your church, that's how you know. That's how you're sure. That's another evidence that you are the child of God. The Apostle Paul put it like this in Philippians chapter 1 verse 24. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. How can I be sure that I am a Christian? Through the blood sacrifice of Christ. Through suffering for Christ. And then thirdly, through judgment. Be assured of salvation through judgment. Abraham's descendants will suffer in a foreign land for a long time. But their suffering hasn't ended. It will not go on forever. Abraham is assured that the Lord will intervene on their behalf and he will bring them out of their slavery and of their suffering. And how will he do it? He will do it through his judgment. He will judge the Egyptians, those people that will cause their suffering. Look at verse 14. I will punish the nation they serve as slaves and afterwards they will come out with great possessions. The Lord's going to judge the people that cause the sufferings of his people. 
Abraham asked, Lord God, how can I know that I will inherit it, the land? And God says in response, you will inherit it through judgment. When my judgment comes on your enemies. And you and I to whom Christ provides salvation. And promises heaven. And says the new earth is also part of our inheritance. We can ask how can I be sure I'm a Christian. How can I be sure I'm going to inherit these blessings. And Christ says you will inherit these promised blessings. Not immediately. But after a long period when I come and I exercise judgment. You will suffer in this world. And your sufferings may appear to be uh, for an endless time. You will be mocked, despised, ridiculed, falsely accused. You may even be imprisoned. You may even be killed for my name's sake. But the age of suffering will come to an end for you, my people. I will move, says Christ, in final judgment. The wicked will be forced uh, to no longer persecute you. You and I who believe in Christ, we will continue to suffer the hands of the world for a prayer. Why? Well, for the same reason as uh, the Israelites would suffer in Egypt. The end of verse 16. For the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. Why is it that Christ has not yet come? Well, one reason is that the sin of the world has not reached its full measure and as soon as it reaches its full measure Christ will come instantly how can I be sure that I'm saved that I'm going to heaven that if all the blessings of the gospel you can be sure through sacrifice firstly the sacrifice of Christ Secondly, through suffering for Christ. Thirdly, through the judgment of Christ that lies before us and ahead of us. And then fourthly, through the covenant in Christ. Through the covenant in Christ. I want to look now at verses 17 to 21. And this all seems very bizarre to you and me. What is happening here uh, in these verses? These animals cut in two and laid out opposite each other. And then verse 17, when the sun had set, the darkness had fallen. And then there's this smoking brazier with a blazing torch. There's this light that appears and passes between the pieces. What's that all about? Well, it's more than sacrifice. 
Yes, there's sacrifice being offered here, as we saw at the very beginning. But there's also a covenant being made here. There's also a covenant being made here. Now, what's a covenant? A covenant is a commitment of loving loyalty that cannot be broken. Marriage is a covenant. Commitment of loving loyalty that cannot, that should not be broken. And so here we, there's covenant making taking place. And in Abraham's day, um, communities would have entered into covenant with each other. Neighbouring peoples. A covenant to live at peace with each other. And it was two equals coming together. And what happened was they took animals and they cut them in two. And they laid them out as these animals were laid out. And then what happened was both parties together walked between the animals that were cut in two. And do you know what they were saying to each other? They were saying, let us be cut in two. Like these animals, if we break this commitment of loyalty and love towards each other. And that's why we read from Jeremiah chapter 34 and verse 18. Because there we read of the people of God at a later stage. And they have broken the covenant. They have not fulfilled the terms of the covenant they made before. And the Lord says, I will treat them like the calf that was cut in two. As they walked and passed between the parts of it. So that's what's happening here. There's a covenant being made. But this covenant differs very radically. From other covenants of Abram's day. Because notice who goes between the pieces. Does Abram walk between the pieces? No he doesn't. He doesn't. Abraham is standing watching this. The smoking brazier. The blazing torch. Which is symbolizing Christ. That's the only one that passes between these pieces of hewn flesh. This is not a covenant between equals. This is God's covenant with Abraham. And Abraham is an onlooker. And yes, he's going to be a beneficiary. And the Lord is saying... My commitment to you, Abraham, and to give you all that I've promised, and to give you the salvation, it is so sure and so certain that I'm willing to be cut in two, like these animals, if I do not keep my covenant. Abraham asked, Lord God, 
How shall I know that I will inherit it? And God says, you will inherit it through covenant. And that's true for you and me this evening. How can we know, how can we be sure that we have salvation? That we are set to go to heaven. And ultimately, we are sure only because of God's covenant made to us in Christ. And this covenant is the new covenant. And it's not in the blood of animals. Christ says it's the new covenant in my own blood. And God's promise of salvation to you and me rests on what Christ did when he died on the cross to save his people. Salvation. We don't come to it offering anything to God. We don't come to it somehow as an equal and well, we give our bit and God gives his bit. No, in many respects, we're like Abraham. We're standing by and we're onlookers. And God comes to us and he makes his covenant with us in Christ. And he gives us his salvation. As we repent and believe in the Christ. How shall I know? Having assurance? Yes. You can have salvation. And you can have assurance of salvation through the sacrifice of Christ, through suffering for Christ, through the judgment by Christ that will come, and through the covenant that God made in Christ. What is our responsibility? In the light of all this. Well it's summed up in John chapter 1 verse 12. As many as received him. To them. He gave the right. To become children of God. To those who believe. In his name. And we could paraphrase that and say. But as many as received him to them. He gave the assurance. That they are children of God. To those who believe. In his name. Keep on. Fellow believer. Believing. In Christ. A non-Christian. We say to you this evening. Come to Christ. Believe in him. Receive him. And you will have salvation from him and assurance of salvation also you can have through sacrifice, through suffering, through judgment, through covenant. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you this evening. For the Lord Jesus Christ.
the one in whom and through whom Abraham was saved and blessed. The one through whom he became an heir and had many heirs and many descendants. It was through Christ also that he and his descendants came to receive the land. Lord God, tonight it is through Christ that we are saved. It is through Christ that we receive eternal life. It is through Christ that we enter into heaven. It is through Christ that we will enjoy the new earth that he makes when he comes again in his glory. Lord, we pray tonight that you would help us to receive him and to believe in him. And help us tonight, whether we are believing in him, perhaps someone here for the first time, believing unto salvation, or whether it is that we have already believed him in the past, help us to have assurance, to know that these things are truly ours because of his blood sacrifice, because we are ready to suffer for him, yes, if needs be, to die for him. These things are ours because he will judge the earth and his enemies. And these things are ours because of that covenant, that commitment of loving loyalty that was made between the Father and the Son in eternity past to save sinners like us in time. Help us to have this assurance of our salvation in him. In Jesus' name, amen.